Welcome back to Season 2 of That's So Second Millennium, the podcast where we explore how science and religion can coexist, because they can, and what they can produce together if we let them, because your third millennium will be a whole lot brighter if you do. Your hosts are Bill Schmidt and me, Paul Geesting. Welcome back to That's So Second Millennium, Episode 57. This is Paul Geesting. Today, Bill and I start a conversation in the spirit of the Easter season about why Christianity, and the Catholic Christianity in particular, is actually the best thing going intellectually and otherwise. So today we focus on the intellectual. We start uh, with some consideration of the fact that Western society has thrown so much away and is in the process, well, it's continuing. It's gone a long way through the process. It doesn't actually have that much further to go, um, but it is trying to throw away the entire tradition that gave birth to such things as science, for example. So we spend some time discussing the connections between scholasticism and science. And again, this is just the beginning of a series of episodes. We'll go on to consider some other things, especially the spirit of this season where we talk about what faith does for us, because God is generous enough not to just be true, but to actually want good things for our lives. So we'll be looking for that in future episodes. But for today, uh, we'll, we'll start with that intellectual content. Hope you enjoy it. One problem is that uh, Zencaster was not behaving for us, so we had to record this episode on Zoom, and even then the internet connection was apparently, probably on my end, uh, fairly daffy, so there, there, there will be some sound quality problems in the latter half of the episode, and apologize for that. Uh, the content was such, though, that uh, we really wanted to save it, so uh, hope you can listen past that, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Alright, so this is episode 57 of That's So Second Millennium. So, the idea I pitched to Bill was that this episode was going to be about... Uh, Paul and uh, hopefully Bill joining in on venting our frustration at Western society, and especially for our fellow Catholics for being so disillusioned and disinterested in the splendor of their intellectual and aesthetic tradition, as well as the sheer fact that we've got the best thing going in terms of an interpretation of reality. Right. Um, I tried to uh, uh, paraphrase our Lord and Savior by saying, oh, how slow apart we are to believe all that has been revealed to us. Yeah. So I have just been, you know, of course, I do a lot of it's partly research for this podcast, and of course, it's partly simply, you know, I like podcasts because I do a lot of driving around, unfortunately, these days, and I do a lot of running and exercising, and it's nice to have uh, the audio uh, going in the background. It's one of the great things about podcasts. That's right. And uh, and and so I, I've caught some really good interviews. Uh, there's a fellow named, by the name of Pat Flynn who does a great podcast, um, and he's had Father Spitzer on a couple of times. I believe he's had Ed Fazer on a couple of times. Um, and just, you know, caught the absolute right, you know, Father Spitzer, just, you know, <laughs> just machine gunning out all the reasons why um, the Catholic faith is the best thing going, and right. Christianity is the best thing going, as right. far as an interpretation of the entire physical universe, it has a creator, it wanted us to come to exist, um, that, is, that is just the easiest explanation for things, and everything else I mean, it gets back to this. I just, I can't help but see it as a major, you know, I don't, I don't hear it phrased exactly this way in the wider culture, but it, it just strikes me as that Western culture is fixated on punishing Christianity for the hypocrisy of generations gone by. And that's yeah. grown over the past five centuries, and it has mushroomed and metastasized, and it's, it's taken over Western culture. And it's a complete waste because we have an excellent, excellent intellectual tradition that we might as well actually live in contact with and knowledge of. Yes. Whereas we're fixated on throwing it all away. We have to do it all over again and imagine that the generations before us knew nothing about it. 
Right. You're reminding me, uh, did you uh, did you wind up being able to watch that video uh, of a talk given at the Center for Ethics and Culture annual conference? It was the uh, uh, the Irish journalist. Yeah, yeah, he had he was it was it was a it was a double bill, <laughs> and the first guy I believe was he from Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. And then the, and then the Irish journalist. And he, he gave just a wonderful, poignant talk about he really did see how his fellow uh, Irishmen um, really were in complete rejection of their past. Yeah. Uh, 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 it was, Ireland it was kind of, the most terrible example of that. Yeah, yes. I'm sorry, go on. No, 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 it was uh, just that um, uh, it, it was almost as if the rest of uh, the European community and indeed the rest of Western uh, society and culture was um, uh, almost uh, forcing that on uh, Ireland, or at least um, you know celebrating that uh, Ireland would uh, be the first to um, enshrine this rejection of its past in its constitution in terms of um, uh, you know a, a, a complete uh, blank check for abortion, etc. And uh, he felt that, uh, yeah, there was just, it was uh, just um, an epidemic of, of negative feeling about the past, uh, more than in, an indifference. It was uh, truly um, an attack on its own past, which yeah. is, uh, and, and the more you see uh, Americans being willing to um, uh, attack uh, uh, their uh, nationality, their nationalism, to the degree right. that nationalism can indeed be a positive thing. Um, uh, the, the, the more you see people, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're attacking their own identities, they're attacking their own yeah. history, um, and it really is a kind of um, suicidal uh, tendency. Yeah, 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 and that's the thing. And of course, you know, the, the, the situation in Ireland can't help but have been, uh, you know, there's, there is absolutely, and I, I tend to forget about the external pressure to conform coming from their betters in Europe. In Britain, yeah. and wherever um, right. intellectual colonialism, if you will, but uh, but there's also yeah, but, but there is also the internal. I mean, there is the drama of clericalism is too vague a term, but there has been yeah, there there have been the the, the institutional church in Ireland one of, was was one of the last places where that was still a thing in anything like you know how it had existed in previous centuries, and it grew complacent and abused its position and has created, you know, enormous scandal, but then opens the gates for these external forces to run rampant and, you know, win the hearts and souls of, of people. And, yeah, right. And, and then once that, and then once that enemy is inside the gates, I mean, just the, the relentless, the relentless pressure of contemporary Western culture that's got to, and so it's sort of, I'm familiar with it, it's American flavors and I, you know, should be cautious about how much I attribute it to, you know, what, what things are like in Germany, what things are like in Italy, uh, right. or, or for that matter, what things are like in Argentina or Brazil. Um, right. But just, you know, we've got to, we've got to keep hammering away on these certain ideological points. And yeah, yeah, that, that aren't, that aren't frankly all that enlightened and certainly aren't tested. <laughs> They're certainly That's not right. tested. Um, they they become you know they, they rapidly the creation of new dogmas the right. of new dogmas um, among progressives is astounding to watch it is isn't it yeah yeah 
uh, everything from, um, you know, that uh, clearly uh, the uh, the Electoral College has never worked. Uh, right. So it has to be replaced. Clearly, uh, the nine Supreme Court has to be modified. Uh, it's yeah. uh, clearly socialism uh, needs to be tried uh, now okay. because it's yeah it's just, uh, it's every speech with almost every night's news cycle. Yeah. So, so dogma is being proposed, and it's often in the name of well we shouldn't have any dogmas. Uh, but uh, but here's one I'd like to throw out. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Typically. Typically. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 People aren't thinking things through, but go on. I really liked your list. I'd continue that with. Uh, oh, you know, uh, well, yeah. I mean, the whole. The, I mean, the, the the fact that the fact that progressivism has come, you know, it worships science in a way, especially if right. it's talking about climate change, which is I mean, right. You know, that we have. Uh, I come back to we have twenty five percent more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. We know that we can measure that, um, and it's a simpler. Culture. We never talk about that. We never we never get say. This is what we. This is what we have really evidence for. You know, it's it's every pronouncement from the mouth of scientists is taken. If it's taken, which of course scientists say a lot of things, and it's it's rather a crapshoot what makes it out into the wider internet society and becomes a viral that's a, fact. Right. That's a very good point. Right. But but there's no there's no understanding of how science works and what its limitations are. Right. Yeah. I mean, our understanding of science is mired in 19th century when we naively you know everything was mentally determined. And you know, are yeah, yeah, we're just machines. And yet, and yet also, yeah, I mean, it comes in the if it were actually allowed to come conflict, conflict, if people actually check their thoughts on, you know, things like gender identity or anything else, um, right. the conflict with, you know, with, with even their understanding of science, if you even have one. I mean, that's the thing is that there's no, there is no, there's no, there's no understanding of how it works. It's the facts they just, you know, bow for, and and the, the, the facts slated by this are by no means the, the best known. And best justified was the fact you could call from science, right? Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it, 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 and and so you know needing. And of course, where does science come from? And I don't know. Overstated case that's made sometimes. I think the case is sometimes overstated that well, of course, science came out of the Middle Ages, which it did. I mean, that's the that's the incontrovertible point. That's exactly where science came from. That's exactly the much more Aristotle, the Galileo, and also all the genesis of modern physics. Right. You know, maybe it could have happened somewhere else, and it just didn't happen to. Um, I don't. I feel like I need to argue that point, but certainly is its parentage that is the really right. from is the scholastic, this is the great scholastic project of uniting the Catholic faith with Greek, especially Aristotelian philosophy. I mean, of course, Christianity that early phase, but it's related Platonism, and then it went through this later phase where it's related Aristotelian science. And that and that project, I mean, that's it was such an important project. Because there was a tendency, I mean, there's always a tendency, and of course, the people, the people I've just been carving out are examples of this tendency to just take what someone gives them and think about it very hard. Right. That's the beauty of the scholastic milieu that Thomas Aquinas, and I also kind of feel like we fixate on Thomas Aquinas singular as opposed to thinking about all the people that existed before and after them. Right. I mean, that's because that's what we need. We don't need a single hero figure. We need a community. Well said. We, we, yeah. we need, I mean, then we need a much bigger community because, of course, there's more of us and more study, more facts to check against each other and help a consistent worldview out of them all. Right. That was that was the project. Like, okay, so Catholic faith rests on the testimony of the apostles. Right. It rests on the testimony of the Jews, and it rests specifically on the testimony of the apostles of Jesus. Right. What happened. With this is and that's why that's why it's different from science, is that it's testimony. It's not repeatable. It's not going to happen again. I can't go back and check it that way. Right. I have to hang on to it. That's why it's a dogma. That's why dogma makes sense. Well, um, yes. 
I don't have any choice to access to this revelation, which you know, since I'm I'm now dealing with a being that is not less than me that I can't manipulate. In fact, as you know, I was hearing an atheist the other day that he and God, you know, there was a little book that we were reading, you know, a group of us trying to read and um, commented on, you know, that electricity is a serious force that we can't see and we're supporting the rules that we don't really understand. But you brought away and they said, well, electricity is pretty predictable. So right. God being completely predictable, well, I was never on the table as possible. Right. <laughs> that's right. probably not the point is we're not dealing with something superior to us rather than something that, you know, as Christian Elm would point out, that we can manipulate control. I mean, that's yeah. the engineer side of it. Yes. And that's, and of course, that's, that's what good science teaches you. So you can't manipulate control. You observe. You can see. Um, but, if, and of course, we're dealing with God and, you know, and his world. It's like, don't wrap that history. Right. Um, then you have to accept that. And, and that's not completely alien to science because, you know, we take the evidence of, okay, we, you know, Haley, Haley saw this comet in the 17th century at this time. Right. That's not repeatable. Well, I have to, right. we have to write it down, and we have to trust it was close enough to correct me. We can't do it and should think about it, how reliable that testimony was. Right. But that's why we have dogma. And so, so to come back to Thomas Aquinas, he is, a, he is the inheritor of a faith, a scripture, a tradition that encodes, encodes probably not the right word here, but it carries this, it carries this, it carries these, this witness. That he, yes. It can't be changed without going away. Right. Um, Cursed be he who adds to this book. Cursed be he who takes away the book that says Revelation. Also, somewhere else, maybe Daniel. Oh, um, I remember that one. That's very good. That's right. Yeah, yeah I think. I mean, it's, it's easy to find. It's the very last page of your Bible of the Bible. Wow. Uh, well, I'm glad that the Bible has that kind of last uh, <laughs> last teaching for us. Yes. Yeah. The Spirit and the Bride say come, and cursed be he who <laughs> takes away the book because God will add all the punishments in or take away his share in the uh, in the uh, in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, so, so okay. But yeah, Thomas Aquinas. Sorry, but <laughs> Thomas Aquinas has these standards, and, and they don't. And they're a point. I don't think it's nothing. There are dogmas. I bet you kind of another fifth hundred of them. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on depending on if you're a lumper or a splitter, and that's it. You know, there's the entire rest of human experience and the physical universe that we inhabit that is not bound up, not particular, not overly constrained by those dogmas. Right. Um, and the idea that the Catholic faith is this great, you know. I mean, there are certainly people who use it that way. Um, yes. And God love the Catholic answers people, but they walk, they, they cross that line sometimes. Yeah. There's um, a sense that the only thing about Catholicism is the rules. Uh, and, and that uh, uh, let's look wherever, wherever we can for uh, every possible rule for every situation. That's really how the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees worked. Am I right? Then there's that. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, and, and, and the sense that we know all the rules already, and there will never be any more, and so there's there's no need to learn anything. Right. You know, the idea that we won't learn any more about how to actually organize governments in a more just fashion, that we won't learn any more about psychology and how to, you know, be more effective human beings in the world. Within the yeah. constraints of the dogmas, there's an awful, I mean, it's like, it's like Chesterton talks about, it's a scaffolding. Right. It's, a, it's it's an anchor that keeps you, you know, if you liken it to a middle of a lake, this anchor has changed you off the shoals over here. Yes. Uh, I like even more the, the image of it being the, the foundation and the scaffolding of a building. You can build a lot of buildings around that. Yes. Um, so, so, but the whole, but that's, so Aquinas is the inheritor of this tradition. It's not really concerning tradition, but it's claims. For right. example, the universe had a beginning. Right. Which the Greco, actually an Indian, which, you know, we talk about Indo-European languages, and at some point in the last year, it made, oh, yeah, the Greek gods and the early Hindu gods actually probably were a lot similar, weren't they? That uh-huh. makes sense, doesn't it? And in fact, they have, and they, they have the same belief in eternal cycles. Um, you know, you read Plato about, you know, people being born and reborn, and, you know, this sounds very Hindu. It's not surprising. And so, Aristotle believed that the world was infinite in time, although it couldn't be infinite in level causation. So, so. Um, that's an interesting point of debate, because I think a lot of people still take that 
partly because Bob's point is they take it must be true. Um, although I think Bob Smith in his book about uh, the existence of God right, does a mathematical work that sort of actually draws that into question whether we really have, could have a negative infinity, whether there really could be such a thing as, you know, you can just go as far as you want to. But that, that's, that's not necessarily a mathematically well-defined concept. Hmm. But, but in any case, Thomas Aquinas looked at Aristotle and he knew there were certain things that would have, I mean, first of all, there were things that have to be, you know, edited, revised, in order to be bought in And that project is actually excellent practice for science because we're being constrained by the observations. Jupiter yeah. is here. It's not 30 minutes away from here tonight, which is what I calculated based on, you know, this particular flavor of a cycle, this magnitude. I must not be right. I must change it. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, I mean, what the scholastics did in Spain, so you can see any, any, any article of Thomas Aquinas, you know, he's, he's continually trying to find the, the best explanation between different people's conflicting explanations. He's not taking it all, you know, rolling it up in this big syncretic illogical mass, right. which is a great human failing, because right. it's, it's just too hard to do the actual thinking. Right. Um, yeah, it's just, there, there's just too much, I mean, you know, so, to sort of bring it back, and, and uh, we don't have a lot of time today, we have, we have a conversation to engage in online, so uh, I'm going to cut it there, if that's all right with you, Bill. Sure. But, um, uh, yeah, I want to keep talking about this. I think this is something that a lot of people increasingly care passionately about, Um we really need to uh, have some sense of, uh, you know, uh, uh, what, uh, certain anchors and certain scaffolding to, yeah. to cling to, uh, uh, not so that we can uh, be stuck in the past, but so that we can build uh, our, our uh, new ideas and new understandings on something solid rather than on something that's completely uh, right. Uh, in some meaning. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that, can no, be, that can be a point of departure for next week. All right. Well, uh, and um, uh, we've already told our listeners that um, this is very much the kind of thing that we're uh, going to be focusing on in uh, this season of, of episodes because it, it really does impact our everyday lives. And I know that um, our plan is to talk uh, about, uh, you know, pretty uh, intimate parts of the uh, of, uh, of human life, including yeah, yeah, and we need to, if we're going to confront these things, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, listeners, yeah, please uh, stay tuned, as it were. Yep, and and remember, uh, we may as well uh, remind you at this point that uh, we have the uh, Society of Catholic Scientists Conference. If you have uh, any interest in joining that organization and going to the conference at Notre Dame, that is uh, June seventh through ninth, coming up soon. Uh, the, uh, the registration actually closes on May 15th. I was checking on the website uh, just ah, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Good. So, uh, yep, it's, and it's going to be all about the human person, what it even means to be human, what uh, what insights we bring from our faith and from our philosophy, as well as from science, uh, to bring bear on that question, because that's definitely a frontier, a frontier between religion and science, and therefore philosophy. If you enjoyed this episode, or one of our previous episodes, please leave us a review on iTunes iTunes is the biggest distributor of podcasts, and having reviews there will help us reach a wider audience. We would also love it if you posted your review on other services like Google Play and Stitcher as well.